0: Hello to all my Frito lovers. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour. One phone call. No names. No holds barred.
1: I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun and I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me.
0: Hey everybody, it's Chris Gethard. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. This call it fits a mold that I really love it, it, you know in the very early days of the show we very often did not know where the calls were going now, now I think people come in with a little bit more of a game plan and you can feel we hit the ground running in this one we bounce around talk about all sorts of things love life hobos dual citizenship all sorts of things come up and then start to focus more and more on the caller what she's living through what she's dealing with who she is gets there and i also will just say i say this of the course of the call it's just one of those calls that it, it meanders up top but in such a pleasant way because she's got such a good vibe and then it just keeps going to places that uh that we keep exploring more and more i uh i hope you enjoy it i hope you enjoy it
1: thank you for calling beautiful anonymous a beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host hello hello oh my oh my gosh, is this Chris
0: it is how are you?
1: oh my gosh, this is unexpected i'm I'm all right how are you doing i'm i very nervous.
0: <laughs> no need to be nervous. How are you today I'm good uh i I'm real I should have drank some caffeine. I've I uh I I've been chasing the boy around and I realize I also need to get a new desk chair. That's exactly how I'm doing. This one's not great for the back. It's a sentimental chair, it's not a great functional chair.
1: Oh, well, you should get one of those fancy gamer computer chairs.
0: Yeah, those sound like heaven. This is one that my uh grandmother gave to my parents. As part of their wedding gift, she gave them a set of chairs. So I keep this one.
1: Wow. So it's almost an antique. Wait, is that insulting?
0: I don't know. And and you know what else? Here's a, here's a story that fills me with joy and sadness. She got them uh, one at a time because she couldn't afford the whole set at once. So she got them the chairs one at a time. So that oh it has gosh. so much meaning so- to me. That's why I sit in it. But man, it's messing up my back. Sorry, Nan, but it's <laughs> messing up my back.
1: But it's got sentimental value.
0: Yeah, big time. Reminds you where you came from. Now, how are you?
1: Oh, definitely. I'm all right. Can't say that I have a lot of those things around. <laughs> um, I'm okay. I'm just hanging out at my ex's apartment to visit my dog um, in Berlin in Berlin. Um Germany, not not Maryland.
0: Yeah, I assumed I assumed uh I assumed Germany. I hear it's great. I hear Berlin's great. Although I imagine hanging out in your ex's house doesn't sound like the ideal way to go to Berlin.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I guess there are worse ways to go to Berlin. And it's better hanging out here now that we're exes than when we were together, I've gotta to say.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. I hear that. So do you you uh I would guess you're American.
1: Oh, well, give it away. Yeah, I'm I'm half American and I'm half German. You are. But I grew up mostly in the States, yeah. Um
0: wow. Half German, half American. Grew up in the states. When did you go back to Germany? Well, I I
1: accidentally moved back here in twenty. Gosh, was it Twenty twelve, Yeah. And
0: how does one accidentally move that. to a foreign country? <laughs>
1: uh, well, it helps if you're lucky enough to have this citizenship. So, mm-hmm. you know, accident of birth there. Um, I was working at an auto body shop as a receptionist, and my mom had decided to go back to Germany to visit my Oma, my grandma, um, because she hadn't seen her in a few years, and she wanted to help her clean out her cellar of all of the ancient possessions that she'd been hanging on to since my grandfather died in. Oh, 2007 I think she's a bit of a hoarder mm-hmm. and I was really bummed out because I really wanted to go with her and I hadn't been to Germany in five years or so but I couldn't because I had to work but the day that my mom's flight took off was the day I ended up getting laid off from that job and so I spontaneously decided to fly over for the summer and within five minutes of being back in my mom's hometown like first day uh, directly from the airport there was this like there's this yearly street festival it's called the Strassenkaver like this annual carnival um you know people dress up in old-timey clothes, at least like the volunteers for it. They burn an effigy of adults. It's it's a whole thing. There's rides and like carnival stands and candy. And I really wanted to check it out, Um, even though it was the last day of the keava, but it was really crap weather. And within like 10 minutes of walking through the town, we met an old school friend of my mother's who ended up telling me that she was looking for an au pair three months from then. And I didn't plan on staying for that long, but I, well, I ended up staying and uh, staying on as an au pair down there in the south of the country. Um, because I, had, well, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting all scrambled. I was, um, in a very toxic relationship with a hobo in Washington state where I'd been living at the time. And I had a van that I was working on converting to move into there and not much else. And I just decided after some introspection that it would probably be healthier for me to stay in Germany and away from from that loser.
0: <laughs> I just want to uh, go back and make sure I heard one thing uh, correctly. Do you know what what it is?
1: I'm not sure which part. <laughs> Honestly. A few,
0: I mean, the the description of a carnival where you're like, it has games and rides and candy and we burn a doll in effigy. That was, that was concerning. I didn't quite know what that was <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, it's right? a
1: little bit weird.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But the one that's jumping out first, we're going to put that one on the back burner. See if we get back to it first. I want to just, uh, you were dating a hobo.
1: Well, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like I wasn't even properly dating him. I was just like, it was like this toxic other woman situation. (sighs) Yeah.
0: A hobo as in like a rail riding free spirit yeah
1: he has yeah. tattoos on his knuckles that say railroad and like railway company tattoos
0: so he's real into trains and he's decided to make his life about hopping those freights when the when the bulls aren't looking and this is and how does one shack well cuz by their nature they travel uh, frequently by rail. So how does one even become friends with benefits with a hobo?
1: That That is true. Um, pretty lame origin story. He randomly added me on Facebook one day and we had a mutual friend with a childhood friend of my little sister. So I thought that maybe this was someone that I knew but had forgotten about and I didn't want to be rude. So then we just started talking and one day I drove out to hang out with him and his crew in like a squat in Seattle in like an abandoned railway hangar that was filled with like Christmas decorations.
0: As one does.
1: It's pretty fun. As one does. Yeah. And we ended up... um, yeah, we had like a fun, fun night hanging out there. Then the next day I ended up seeing the night we went skinny dipping in Lake Union, I think. And his friend drank like an entire fifth of vodka because he was sad about being broken up with. And we ended up having to take him to the emergency room.
0: <laughs> and this was your first, your first hangout? Yeah. So a squat, which for any I think many people listening know, but this is a uh usually abandoned building not licensed for residential use that people go in and, and live in. You sleep there. You meet a random person on Facebook, you sleep in his squat.
1: <laughs> so well, when you put it that way, Chris.
0: Well you're something of a you're something of a free spirit, huh?
1: You know, that's that's Sometimes kind of, yes, but I'm also, I don't know, I'm also very much an introvert and a big homebody actually. But I do, I do like to have adventures.
0: Now, when you're converting that van, usually that phrase, it sounds like when you're converting a van, that's to uh, uh, live in it. And is this because you're about to get in on the itinerant hobo life?
1: Yeah, I was, Going to yeah, I guess you could say I was going to get in on that, so to speak. I I had recently, like when I met him, I had gotten out of this. What do you call it? Residential training program. I don't know if you've ever heard of Job Corps.
0: I haven't. I've heard that, of Americorps and Peace Corps, but I haven't heard of Job
1: Corps. Well, <laughs> well, Americorps and Peace Corps are quite different like those are public service kind of deals and job corps was i think originally it was like the civilian conservation corps that was founded uh, i don't know around or after world war
0: ii yeah during i believe yeah during the, during the depression. depression to uh give people sort of uh jobs i believe it right that's the one that was like hey we'll give you jobs helping to build America's infrastructure so you can have a government job during these tough times.
1: Yeah, you know, it's probably connected to that in some way because it is like a quote-unquote job training program. Although when I was there in 2010, it was just a, I don't know, like a pipeline to recruit people into the military essentially. Like each center has maybe one program that actually leads to or could lead potentially to like a fruitful career in that field. And the rest of the programs are a bit of a joke. But they're like, if you enlist in the military, then you'll you'll get in there with a higher starting salary and a higher rank. And you unruly youth, if you have a criminal record, we'll wipe that clean for you. Wink, wink.
0: So you're studying for Job Corps, and how does this lead to you living in a van with a hobo? (laughs) So I just gotten out of Job Corps
1: when I met him, or I had recently gotten out of Job Corps, and it was a bit like of a traumatic experience. So I was kind of isolated, and didn't really have any friends, and I was stuck like at home living with my family. Well, my abusive father, um, and they had just, he had just separated from my mom. They just decided to get divorced. And I don't know, we had just connected. I don't know, we had a good connection at first. And when I met him and his community, like, his friend asked me, like, just randomly like, asked me about my relationship with my parents. And was like, my mom sucks. She kicked me out, blah, blah, blah. Like, she was terrible and abusive. And I'm like, oh, wait, people can talk about these things? I don't know. I just felt a sense of kinship with them. Wow. Um.
0: Now this is a very, yeah. uh, I would say... And I love all my people in this region of the world. I've traveled extensively to this region, done a million shows. People, Even people from the Pacific Northwest would agree. This is something, I'm not going to say it's a a thing that's everywhere in the Pacific Northwest, but it's only in the Pacific Northwest, by and large. Or it's very on brand for the stereotypes of the Pacific Northwest. For someone to live, to visit a squat, go skinny dipping, and this uh, creates a rabbit hole. You know, <laughs> preparing to live in a van with your, to get get in with your uh, your hobo friends. But now, well,
1: can, I mean, I don't. Uh huh.
0: I do want to say because I'm being lighthearted, and these stories are really fascinating. I do want to point out something that I've noticed is that we've been talking about 15 minutes. And you've already mentioned that the hobo was a toxic relationship. you've mentioned uh, your parents you feel like there was some toxicity there. Uh, you mentioned that the the ex the ex whose apartment you're currently in visiting your dogs that you're better off not being in that relationship. It does seem like uh you' you've found yourself in some that seems to be a theme, sadly enough.
1: yeah it seems to be a trend in my life finding myself in bad situations and I don't know reacting to them rather than choosing things consciously
0: do you feel like you're in a stable place now
1: I've been trying to get there I moved into what's called a therapeutic flat share at the beginning of June, end of May, somewhere around there.
0: What's that? Therapeutic flat <laughs>
1: share? Yeah. I didn't know what that was either. Um, so apparently, the beneficent German social system has these services provided through the Social psychiatric service of like the city, I guess, um, where they have these. I don't know. Essentially, it's like a group home, but it has a bit more flexibility and freedom than group homes.
0: So you're like, in there's a-
1: no one.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's not like a hospital setting. It's not like a full-on care facility. But you're there to help lean no, on other like people. It's kind of, yeah.
1: Yeah. So. It's an apartment. Like I have three other roommates. And then there are like social workers who we meet with multiple times a week for obligatory activities, organizational meetings, and then like individual support meetings.
0: And first of all, you mentioned Germany's beneficent system. Is this something that costs you money?
1: No, it's the, it's not costing me money. The state finances those services. Although I hope uh, to be able to pay into it in the future <laughs> again.
0: Pay into it via what, like uh, contributions? Once you're on the other side of stuff, or through taxes? Through what? What does that mean?
1: Yeah, through my through my through my taxes. You know, being being employable and, and working
0: and And being that you are someone uh who's a dual citizen of this world, is the German part of you so thankful uh that you get to utilize these services for free and is the American side of you uh furious at the German side of you because we don't because we <laughs> we don't really do we don't really yeah. hand out stuff for free around here
1: yeah i'm I'm pretty torn like on on one hand. I am like really grateful that they have these services and I feel very guilty all the time for living here. Like, I feel like I've, I'm just betraying my American brethren by
0: even being here. <laughs> that's it. By accepting free mental health care, you feel like you're betraying your American roots. That's a sad sentence to say. Now, that sounds like a safe place to be. It sounds like a program that's really worthwhile. Are you comfortable if I ask you what prompted you to uh, wind up living there? All right, everybody. We're going to stop there for a little break, stretch your legs, hear from our advertisers. And when we get back, the answer to that question, which I'm sure a lot of us are waiting with bated breath to hear. over focus up. let's get back to the phone call. Are you comfortable if I ask you what prompted you to uh, wind up living there?
1: <laughs> sure, I don't mind talking about it. Um, gosh, where do I begin? So um, so yeah I mentioned that I'm living in Berlin with, with my ex. And I originally moved up here in twenty fourteen and started working in i t support um, my my ex like we we were together already we'd met when I was working as an au pair in twenty thirteen i believe and he was, he was studying in university, and I moved up here and started working, and he soon decided to follow and do his master's in Berlin. And I was working in IT support. I was doing really, really well at the job. I was climbing, kind of climbing up the ladder. I, like, wormed my way into a leadership, like, managerial training position and title only like I didn't get like a raise and I still had to like be a part-time call center employee still and I just got extremely burnt out in this role like I would show up to work and just be furious I would go home furious wake up furious and one day I just got out of bed and got ready to go to work and just couldn't go there anymore and went to the doctor instead and told him what was going on. Um, long long story short, like I was extremely depressed and burnt out from all of this customer service because it turned out that I'm not suited to these kinds of roles because I'm autistic.
0: Oh. And, yeah. (laughs) And is that something you were aware of prior, or is this something you sorted out as you were kind of dealing with, uh, dealing with this, uh, this stretch where you couldn't walk back into that job?
1: Well, it was something that had kind of always been on the periphery of my awareness because um my mom worked for 10 years or so with autistic kids in in a school like in a special ed program and like i just i felt or noticed a lot of commonalities between us like when i would meet her students but Because like they were always, um, they always also had like like more serious like comorbid diagnoses, and because I was a girl and didn't like trains and wasn't good with numbers, I just thought that like all of those commonalities were quote unquote everyone just being a little bit autistic, and just brush it off because I thought that the doctors who'd like seen me up. Like throughout my entire school years, would have picked up on something like that. But of course, I didn't know back then like how um how how sexist like the stereotypes and the criteria there are, even even in the medical and educational institutions. So I just brushed it off until I was, oh I got my diagnosis at 28, I think. Yeah, 28. I'm 31 now.
0: Wow! So is the uh, the therapeutic flat? Is that is that uh, are all of your roommates autistic as well?
1: Well, I know it's not right to speculate about other people, but I do think a few of them are definitely. Definitely have a few more neurodivergences than they have official documentation for. But as far as the social workers and psychologists who work there are concerned, it's rare to have autistic clients there, and they're not really used to me or like know what to do with my idiosyncrasies or understand how autism
0: works. Wow. I'm sure you've heard this before. You've lived one interesting life.
1: Um. Yeah, I, I guess so. I haven't felt able to talk about it much with people until like the past couple of years openly.
0: Well, thanks for talking with me about it.
1: Well, thanks for listening to me about it.
0: That's the job. That's the job. So... You're in your ex's Ah. apartment right now. That's right. Did you ever live together?
1: Yes, we lived together for, gosh, three years.
0: In the apartment you're currently standing in?
1: That's the one.
0: (laughs) And can I ask, did you move from that apartment directly to the therapeutic group flat?
1: Yeah, I did. So Unfortunately, you, a few months later than planned, thanks to Corona. Ah.
0: Ah. So you're already broken up. You've got this new situation set up, designed to be someplace that offers you support. You can't get to it. That's a bummer. That's very stressful.
1: Yeah, it was a very stressful time.
0: And was there and, was there like an inciting incident that that made you say, I think I need to seek out some uh, a a place to live that has some uh, some ability to pay attention to me medically so to speak if that's how you would phrase it
1: in a way so um when i was like figuring out my my diagnosis i was also trying to navigate unemployment services and i found this like really this really great program that they, um, I guess you could say that they sponsor for, for um, job seekers that I really wanted to do. And like they made me do psychological testing to like prove that I would be suited for it. And like my results showed that I would be a good match for it. But they also indicated my autism, which was originally what like set me on the journey to getting a diagnosis. Um, what I didn't know then is that Germany's um, beneficent unemployment system is very adversarial, and they will do anything that they can, and they don't have any real restrictions on. Kind of like social, kind of like, I don't know, social services in the U.S. Like they don't, they don't have to be honest to you or like tell you about your rights. And they can, like they're allowed to lie to you. Mm -hmm. And so they ended up basically tricking me into a different uh, program for disabled job seekers. I thought that they would just offer me like some additional support or resources for the boot camp, like the program that I wanted to do. But it turned out that like when I was in that process, that finally after a a month or two, I had to do this like in depth, like aptitude testing for six weeks. And at the end of this thing was like the first time that anyone involved told me, even though I'd made it, clear like this program was my goal i'd proven myself suited to it it's like in tech and i have a background in that already um my my ex also works in that industry and would have been like well suited to like offer additional support blah blah blah. only after i did this aptitude testing did they tell me well actually because you're in this program now all of these programs are excluded and we want to send you on a six to nine month general job preparation course for autistic people, which was designed like for people who didn't have any work experience and I guess wouldn't be offered good prospects, um, a good career prospects, unfortunately. And then we want to send you on like a traditional 3-year German apprenticeship instead and I really didn't want to do that. I wanted to challenge it. My my ex at the time like he was supporting me. He was supporting my living expenses because he earned too much for me to qualify for unemployment since we were living together and he discouraged me from Fighting like for my rights, like for challenging it legally. And I just fell apart, sunk into a really deep depression. Um, He offered to pay this course for me privately instead, but our relationship had already started to kind of wane, like, and it didn't feel very supportive because, like, he was not supporting me and standing up for myself and and he would like constantly I don't know maybe jokingly threaten like but if we ever break up then I will sue you or come after you for like all of the money that I've poured into you so I just didn't feel safe taking in that offer and I didn't really have any like qualifications to do much here that wasn't like Customer facing or customer oriented, which I absolutely could not handle anymore. Um, so I just f- fell apart for a while and sank into a deep depression. I couldn't like. I was lucky like if I could manage to make myself like a slice of toast to eat. Like I couldn't brush my teeth. It was it was bad.
0: Well, first of all, I've been there. Um, I know how hard that is. That's uh I've had my versions of that. And I wouldn't wish it on anyone. So I'm sorry you've been going through that in recent times. And I do just want to Thanks. make sure. I'm
1: sorry that you've been there too.
0: Yeah, it's one of the worst places to be. And I, I am one yeah. I'm wondering uh have things settled to a place where you feel like you have some sense, sense of stability? Are you still in the thick of it? Cause I feel bad. I was joking so much about the hobos before. I didn't realize things were in <laughs> such tough times lately.
1: Oh no, that's okay. I'm, 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 I'm on an upward swing you could say. Good. Hopefully not downward anytime soon. Good. And I just wanted to say that like, your your podcast, your your up special, Career Suicide, was actually also a big um, inspiration or like push for me to seek help. So thank you for that.
0: Oh, that's uh what I'm here for. That's why they that's why I turn I didn't know it when I signed up to try to do comedy, but turns out that's why I was uh, tasked with this path, so to speak, not to be pretentious. (laughs) That's what it was for. I didn't even know. Yeah. Now, you know what else I think is interesting about what you said? And I want to get back to your personal story, but I do sometimes feel like, and I bet it's for people everywhere in the world. You tend to romanticize the places where you're not right. And I think for, I think especially for a lot of liberal Americans, Germany is one of those places where we have this vague sense that they're really doing it right. That, uh, that Angela Merkel is the stable world leader, and and when America gets isolationist, we're like, oh, thank God for her, and and there's <laughs> social services, and you hear about how beautiful Berlin is, and that people can live at reasonable rates in German cities, and and uh, that they stepped up and and at least tried to take in refugees. You hear all these things, and then you talk to someone who's from there, and you're like, yeah, but it still can be like a bureaucratic nightmare pain in the ass that, uh, doesn't always, doesn't always have your back. And you start to everywhere. You just, you can't romanticize any place, huh? Like every place has its good and it's bad. Oh yeah.
1: hundred percent. I also, cause I grew up mostly in the States. I also always romanticized Germany compared to America. And then I, I moved here <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere has its dark sides.
0: Yeah. The ups and the downs. Do you speak German? I would imagine you do.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty fluent. I'd say I'm somewhere between a C1 and C2 level. Did you grow Although up
0: speaking
1: German? Although when I moved German? here, I had the voc- Um, I lived here from the ages of like three to seven. So I had the vocabulary of like a five-year-old when I moved back here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but I did retain at least my accent. <laughs>
0: all right and uh, now uh, it's uh, the idea that your boyfriend was kind of jokingly maybe not jokingly holding money stuff over your head especially when you're in a point of crisis I don't like that I hate that if it was something he was uh, genuinely saying jokingly it's not a great joke it was saying if it it had undertones that were meant to make you feel pressure or some sense of being controlled I, I really think that's not good what are you doing back inside this apartment? I mean, you said you're visiting a dog, <laughs> but is this a safe place for you? How great is this dog that it's worth walking back into that lion's den?
1: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the healthiest relationship. And I think we're definitely better suited as friends. And I got to say, I know I know you're not a big fan of dogs, but my dog is pretty great. I mean, he's amazing. He's my child. Um, think it's more like a cat. He's a cat dog. You'd probably like him, although he'd hate you. He's scared of new people.
0: He'd hate your dog. Would hate me. He
1: screams at them. Well, he'd hate anyone who's unfamiliar and in his home.
0: See, so if the first way you phrased it, it made it sound like, based on what I know of you, Chris, this dog would hate you. That's what it first sounded. <laughs> yes. like. Not like a broad general. The dog you not personally. Yeah, he'd be like you know. He doesn't love self deprecating people in glasses, so you're off the list.
1: Well, as long as you're not wearing a hat or carrying a big bag, eventually he'd learn to accept you.
0: And what kind of dog? Or anyone, really.
1: He's like a little Romanian street mutt. He looks like a corgi shepherd, corgi German shepherd. Corgi
0: German shepherd. That sounds pretty cute. What's the dog's name?
1: Yeah, he's pretty cute. His name's Frito.
0: Frito, like the corn chip?
1: Yeah, he's yeah like the corn chips. He kind of looks like a Frito.
0: So he is named, in fact, that's not a German slang word or something that I don't know. He's named after the corn chips?
1: No, unfortunately, Fritos don't exist here. And so- yeah, that's his name. Like the corn chips.
0: So he's not named for the corn chips? No, he is named for the corn chips. He's named for the corn chips. Even though you're nostalgic for the corn chips, you can't get anymore. Yeah.
1: Um, every time I've been able to make it back to the States, I always plan it so that I can bring an entire suitcase of junk food back with me.
0: <laughs> now, what kind, what are we talking? What's the stuff you can't get there that's worth Because it's not the chocolate, right? When, as soon as you travel internationally, you realize American chocolate trash
1: oh yeah garbage except for the hershey's cookies and cream bars and Reese's.
0: oh those are pretty i mean i do i do love a give me a chocolate peanut butter mix i'm not mad at Yeah, i love the peanut butter m&ms but by and large american chocolate is like dusty wax that's what you learn the second you go anywhere else that american i don't know why, why is it so bad why is american <laughs> chocolate so bad my my friend why is it bad? What do we do? I don't know. What are we doing wrong there? Now there's a question that we all need to answer. What's up, man? You go overseas one time and all of a sudden you try to eat. I'm not going to name names. I'm not trying to get sued. You try to eat this American and You might as well just be chewing on crayons anyway. We'll be right back. No more breaks. Just phone call from here on out. Let's finish strong. Why is American chocolate so bad, my my friend? Why is it bad? What are we doing? I don't know. What are we doing wrong there? Why is our cola so bad? Our cola? What? Our cola is bad. I love soda. Compared to Mexican Coke, come well, on. Yeah, you get the real sugar, cane, so- cane sugar soda. But I will say we do have some great companies making those here, although nothing stands up to uh, Fentimins, which I believe is an English soda. Now we're just chatting about sodas. Oh,
1: my God, Fanta, yes.
0: Fanta is a German product originally, I believe.
1: That's true. And the German Fanta is much different than the American Fanta.
0: And is it mostly orange there? Or do they also have the strawberry and the pineapple?
1: Oh my god! You don't even know they have so many flavors here.
0: I gotta get over there. <sighs>
1: <I gotta> go. <laughs> they have orange, tropical, mango, mm. elderflower. That's mm. imported from like Eastern Europe, though. It's really good stuff.
0: Damn! I gotta get. I, it some can't of that even be. Elderflower Fanta? Are you kidding me? <sighs> I love sodas so much. this is this is the dichotomy of life right like you and me are chit-chatting about a dog named Frito and different flavors of Fanta and yet I also have to say I'm glad to hear you're on an upswing but this sounds like it hasn't been a particularly easy stretch and I'm wondering if you got people in your life who are providing a a good safety net to help you get through it
1: yeah I do I have a couple I mean credit where credit is due my ex is strangely one of those people good. um locally.
0: Good. Yeah.
1: I've also got my yeah, he's stepping up. He's he's not so bad. We just weren't very good romantic partners. Mm-hmm. Um I've got my mom, though she's in Montana, and I don't know when I'll be able to see her again with COVID and everything. And I have a boyfriend in Canada.
0: You do? Yeah. Now, how's that work? And he's been amazing. <laughs> I'm wondering about the timing of this because you told me you, you went straight from living with your ex to living in uh, your therapeutic flat. So how does one in that interim period, during a pandemic that limits travel... Shack up with a Canadian. And also does this Canadian have a house or <laughs> is he uh is he is he run is he throwing his can of beans aside so he can run and, and jump on the next freight that's heading south? You dating more hobos?
1: Um <laughs> no, he I mean he is a a a punk rock musician, but he does have a stable residence. Okay. But okay. I mean
0: nothing wrong with a good punk I guess rock a good rocker. Punk I like the punk well. rockers. How do you shack up with this yeah. Canadian? Sorry, I'm using the phrase shack up. That's a little crass. How does one come to fall for a Canadian during these times and these circumstances?
1: Well, we we we, we met before the pandemic, um, and don't worry, there wasn't any any overlap and no infidelity here. It's um, I was in a peer support Facebook group. And I was processing a lot of, like, my my trauma from the past, like, for the first time in my life. And just overwhelmed by, like, these memories and feelings and making these connections. And I ended up, like, in this, like, peer support Facebook group, like, for being able to talk with someone personally about something that's on your mind. And I just ended up talking with him and just pouring like my heart out about like my job situation, like my relationships, my, (laughs) um, the traumatic things I was grappling with and we just ended up staying in touch and being friends for, for a while. And then my relationship ended and eventually, well, honestly, not that long after that, like we ended up professing our feelings to each other, I guess you could say. And... and I visited him in October of 2019, and he also came and visited me um, right before the shutdown in Germany.
0: Wow. So you've hung out twice in person. Most of your relationship was uh, came to life via Facebook group, and now you can't see each other anymore. That's a bummer.
1: Yeah, kind of put a put a big crimp in, in our summer plans, but what can you do? <laughs> Man.
0: Would you say and it's a really hard question and a scary question. Um, and having been severely depressed, I know that it's a it's a daunting question, but you feeling like right now in this moment overall, you feeling like you're going to be okay? hard
1: to say. I think that I'm not going to be any less okay than uh, most of us these days.
0: That's probably the most fair and pragmatic answer one could ever imagine to that question.
1: I mean, I don't want to get my hopes too high up, but I am trying to enjoy where I'm at right now. Or appreciate it.
0: You think you're going to stay in Berlin uh, long term?
1: You know, it's looking like I might end up staying in Europe for a long time because, my gosh, I'm a crazy I'm a crazy pet parent because of my dog.
0: So you're going to stay for Frito?
1: Oh yeah. Like, I can't take him away from his dad. And if he lost me, he would be devastated. <laughs> he loses his mind every time he heartwarming. Me.
0: That melted even my cynical soul when it comes to dogs. You're going to stay on a continent. So there's a party that probably wants to go to Canada to see what this spark is really like with this uh, punk rocker. Definitely. And yet you're going to hang back. But I can't this, uh, this corgi shepherd needs his mama. That's true. Is the punk rocker thinking about moving from Canada to Europe? And if so, does he know it specifically because you have such fondness for a very small dog? Yeah,
1: he's definitely entertaining, entertaining the notion. I think it would be hard for him to leave his band though. And um, I, I, I can't like, you know, I can't, tell him like what decision to make there either way and wouldn't want to. Um, But I also, yeah, I I can't leave Frito. (laughs) And I also can't take him away from, uh, from my ex.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Frito's holding the whole ship together at the end of the day. Frito's the, Frito's the glue. That allows you to have (laughs) that sense of purpose, that sense of love. He's the boss. How often do you get to visit Frida? Um,
1: I'd say I see him on average once a week. He also gets to visit me for a couple of days at a time. So, So it's not so bad. Wow.
0: Thank God for Frida.
1: Yeah, he's the reason that I was able to pull myself or to start pulling myself out of my funk because you know, we live in an apartment and dogs have to go outside multiple times a day.
0: So, even when you don't want to go outside, you got to rally and say, It's not about me, let's do this one for Frito. Yeah, well, I'm gonna take a good
1: you s- slave master. <laughs>
0: But when you put it like that, (laughs) I'm going to tell you something, though. You're easy to talk to. You've got a whole bunch of really fascinating stories. You've been making me laugh. And uh, all those things add up and really make me just hope that you get over the hump of these hard times because I think you have so much to offer. And I hope you're. Uh, I hope you're okay.
1: Oh, thanks, Chris. That means that means a lot to hear. I'm honored, and I hope I do too. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, you deserve it. You had these toxic guys you had this sense of restlessness. If you were contemplating living in a van, it doesn't reflect that you feel totally good about society. Being that you're escaping it, but
1: uh, <laughs> well honestly, it's still a fantasy,
0: yeah, and I mean, if you're dating a punk rocker now you you're someone who likes living a little bit outside of the rules consistently uh, but i uh I really get the sense that not only are you do you have a good soul, but I feel like you. I feel like there's so many people who would be very tickled by all the things you've uh, you've done already in your life and these stories you got and your ability to tell them and the way that you're so chill. And uh, I'll tell you something, we got this little thing where I can type stuff to uh, Jared and Anita. And I don't really ever bring this up on the show, let alone um, let people know what I type, but you know what I typed right away? The first thing I typed about five, 10 minutes into this conversation, no, it's not. I said, I don't know where this is going, but I really love her. Oh, you're going to make me cry. Well, that's how you came out of the gate. And I just wanted to make sure you knew that that's how you're coming out of the gate to me. And I bet there's a lot of other people that's how you come out of the gate to. Because I know one of the, to me, okay, the scary, I know this is different for everybody, I bet. To me, the most chilling thing about when I suffered real depression was this immense feeling of loneliness at all times and
1: uh yeah and
0: and and this great fear that if i open myself up to people they might reject me which would make me feel even more alone but it's a very strange logic loop because you're isolating yourself from those people to protect yourself from loneliness but it's still leading to loneliness and getting over that hump of wanting to make contact with people and pull yourself out of it that way and uh let the guard down. It's really not easy. It's very daunting. But that's how you came out of the gate with me. I typed, I don't know where this is going, but I love her.
1: Oh, it means a lot to me to hear because I am struggling a bit with that right now, too. Feeling confident in my friendships.
0: I get it. Thank you so much. I get it but you're quite charming. You're quite charming. You got a good laugh. And if you still got your good laugh, that means that you're not a uh, you're either on the upswing for real or that you haven't given up yet because you got a good laugh. And that means that you're seeing some humor and some joy in the world.
1: Yeah, I'm not a completely lost cause yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nor am I. Nor am I.
1: Oh, you've got a lot of potential,
0: Chris. <laughs> Thank you so much. I feel the same way about you. It's funny, isn't it, though? Because we're sitting here joking. But that is that is the way to feel. That is how I like to feel. I still sit here and obsess over, man, what am I going to do? Have I ever done anything good? Am I ever going to make anything again? Should I just find a way to give up and chill out? And it's like, no, there's potential for a lot of cool stuff in this world. And I would like to be a part of it. I'd like to see if I can figure out a way to be a part of it. And especially Berlin. Now talk to me. A friend of mine has a joke. Is it David O'Darty or Daniel Kitson? It's a, I think it's a comic from that scene who says they will often ask their friends who live in Berlin, oh, how's it going out there? And they'll say, oh, man, it's almost too cheap to live here and too beautiful. It seems like Berlin is a place that kind of has some magic to it the past uh, handful of years as far as art goes, <laughs> culture people feeling like they can live there in a way where they can have some dignity and, and uh, don't need to completely break the bank for a city of that size. Would you find those things are true? Is Berlin the wonderland I've heard about?
1: Um, well, unfortunately, gentrification is also affecting Berlin more and more these days. But it definitely still has a lot of unique charm and unique subcultures and scenes that I don't think you could easily find anywhere else. And of course, it's also like one of the greenest capital cities in Europe. And that's amazing if you have a dog.
0: That's good. That goes a long way. Now I'm going to guess based on the fact that you formerly uh, had a a love affair with a hobo and are currently in a, a... a pan-oceanic, cross-continental relationship with a punk rocker, these scenes you speak of that you can't find anywhere else, my guess is that you've dabbled in some of these scenes. True or false?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's fair to call me a dabbler or more of an observer.
0: What kind of scenes are we True. talking here? What kind of scenes are we talking?
1: <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that I specifically have any kind of particular set scene myself I think I'm just a good chameleon and I'm good at being accepted on the margins of places um like I wouldn't say that I identify with any of them personally uh, most most of the scenes or people that I've come in contact with in Berlin were through um a volunteering organization or gig that I've been doing since I moved here, coincidentally.
0: That's cool. What kind of volunteering? Who are these people? It's bringing you into touch with?
1: Um. So there was this. Unfortunately, it hasn't been able to take place since coronavirus happened. But. There used to be this monthly dinner that was organized for feeding homeless people and the broader community. And we would always get together one Saturday a month and collect food from like the wholesale vendors um, that would have gone bad over the weekend instead of them throwing it out. And then provides like a three-course meal with like a couple of different entrees, a couple of different desserts for like sixty to one hundred and twenty people or so, ballpark.
0: That's very cool. It's very kind. Yeah. And it avoids a yeah, lot. Yeah, wa- attracts a lot of. <laughs> a lot of waste, which I like.
1: Yeah, it's pretty neat and I don't think you would be able to find anything like that in the US because of the food regulations.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've actually heard I don't know if this is true um but I have heard that in New York City it's actually illegal for restaurants to uh donate their leftovers at the end of the night that they or 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 that maybe it's that a lot of restaurants have policies that they don't want to be sued if anyone eats old food. Um, But either way, it sounds like just tons of food is wasted every day, every single day.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, it's some kind of liability issue. They don't want to run the risk. I don't think, maybe it's illegal in New York, but I think a lot of places, it's not that it's illegal. It's just that they would be liable if there was something wrong with their products, unfortunately.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So you do good in this world, too. You're an engaging person with interesting stories who's aimed to do good in the world. What's not to like here? What's not to like here? I hope you know that, hold your head up high and understand that you, uh, within an hour, are reflecting a lot of traits of a likable and kind human being.
1: I appreciate that, Chris. Thanks. I try
0: what are Frito's favorite snacks?
1: Oh my gosh. He loves cheesy popcorn. <laughs> Not such a big fan of Fritos.
0: You have, in fact, tried to feed Frito Fritos?
1: Of course.
0: No dice. Frito couldn't get into the Fritos. <laughs> Felt too weird.
1: No, he liked them. Yeah, he liked them once or twice, but then after that, he was over it.
0: Yeah, I mean, if there was a snack called Gethard's, I think on principle, I wouldn't be able to get that out of my head. So I see where Frito's coming from with that.
1: Yeah, fair play. I don't know, he's he's a weird, picky little dude. Sometimes I'll try to offer him something that he loved before, and he'll just look at me strange like, the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Oh, sorry, Sally. <laughs> It's okay. There's
0: only two minutes left. That's pretty deep into it.
1: Oh my gosh, already. Oh, I have no sense of time.
0: But you're telling me that right now, if I shut my eyes and think about a little tiny corgi shepherd mix, eating that orange cheesy popcorn out of your hands, that this is some of the cuteness you get to experience on a regular basis? Oh, you know it. Yeah, get why you stick around for Frito. Get it. Thank God for Frito, huh? On the dark days, you still got Frito.
1: T-G-I-F.
0: Thank God it's Frito?
1: (laughs) Yes, thank God it's Frito. You're right, TGFF. my
0: bad. I I like T-G-I-F, thank God it's Frito. It's not just the uh, 90s slate of ABC late night television programming anymore on Friday nights. Thank God it's Frito. That's a t-shirt. You get a cartoon drawing of Frito on a t shirt and then in a circle around it, it's a and Frito's got a big old grin, eating cheesy popcorn, and then around it it says, Thank God it's Frito.
1: Oh my gosh, it sounds like a busy fan art. I better get on it.
0: Would you wear that shirt while walking Frito?
1: Of course I would wear his face on my on my person. Who Good. wouldn't? Good. Would you?
0: I haven't met, I haven't met Frito, but it sounds, it sounds like I would. It honestly sounds like I would.
1: Well, not while walking, Frito, but while walking your theoretical future dog, maybe.
0: (sighs) Or cat. We have 25 (laughs) seconds left. I really want to thank you from hearing about your, your hobo dating to all the stuff you've been through personally to your adorable dog. It was a really wonderful conversation. And I hope you, uh, I hope you keep I hope this upswing lasts many, many moons and that the downswings aren't as down as they have been in the past.
1: No, oh, thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for talking to me. I appreciate you and everything that you do. And I look forward to well, to seeing what you do in the future too, with your potential. <laughs>
0: Caller, thanks so much for calling. I hope that as time goes on, you feel better and better and Berlin becomes your playground and that you and Frito live the life you've always dreamed of. Thank you to Jared O'Connell. Thanks, Anita Flores. Thanks, Shellshag for the music. I'm doing shows again, everybody. Go to chrisgeth.com for info on those. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe. If you're on Spotify, hit follow. If you're on Stitcher, hit favorite really, really helps. And check out our entire back catalog on Stitch Premium. Go to stitchpremium.com slash stories for more details.